Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 320. And tonight, we are back on schedule. Ooh. We are talking about two episodes of Laura Olympus. We are going to start with episode 199, which is out for free for everybody at time of this recording and at time of the episode release. Uh, then we're going to talk about episode 200, which is only available if you're doing the fast pass. It won't be available for free for another two days. Time is weird. Uh, so when we get to that point, we will give everybody a spoiler warning if you want to, you know, jump away and go actually wait for that to drop and then come back later. We don't judge. But anyway, 199, I think, will actually be a pretty quick recap because it's got two main sections. The first is Athena goes to talk to Zeus. And Athena is pissed off. I mean, first of all, she knows that Zeus has failed Persephone in her duties in the mortal realm once again, and she's letting Zeus know nobody is buying this, that the mortal realm is some kind of a big mess. I think she says, I don't think that's as valid as you seem to think it is. But the other thing is that Hestia has been in a coma the same way Poseidon has, the same way Hera has, and Athena is done with waiting about it. She even says Hestia has been in a coma for nine years, 11 months, and 15 days. So she is, you can see tears in her eyes when she says that. She says, I miss Hestia. And she tells Zeus he needs to do something. She said, I am, I am doing something. And she says, stop trying to put your dick where it doesn't belong and figure it out. So she is just, it's amazing. She has absolutely no fucks to give. She is not even slightly afraid of him. No. And she tells him he needs to go to the underworld to try to figure this out because this sounds like it's all related to the scars that the Poseidon and Hestia and Hera have. And that means it's possibly related to Kronos. And Hades was in charge of keeping Kronos down in prison. So if something's happened, it might have happened to Hades at this point. Nobody knows because nobody's been down there. And Zeus says, well, I can't get into the underworld. And Athena says, you need to get Persephone into the underworld. (laughs) She says, it's like I'm the goddess of strategy. So let me give you a hint. You need to put Persephone back in the underworld. It ain't rocket science. She is awesome. She's just laying down the law left, right, and center. And he even looks like he looks really upset, I think, the most when she says, you know, I know you wanted people to take you more seriously, but this punishment doesn't make any sense anymore. And it's impacting everybody. And I just, I love the fact that somebody has actually, I was just worried it was going to be one of those storylines where nobody tells Zeus, God, this punishment is just stupid. You're doing it for the wrong. She just flat out told him. Yeah. It's like the um, the cool guy at the uh, newsstand that Zeus talked to a few episodes yes. ago who's willing to tell him, you know, this is really stupid. I want more people to tell him that. So that's pretty much the short version of their conversation. But I do highly recommend it because she just, I just love her just giving him the bare facts. She doesn't care. She's really pissed. Everything's out in the open. And then we go from there to the second half of the story. Now, where we left Persephone was she had been in Hades' office and Hermes had come in. And Hermes is being really creepy. And in the beginning of this episode, she's noticing that he's being really creepy and he's being really grabby. And she's telling him he's being inappropriate. And then she throws a friggin' typewriter at his head and makes her run for it. He had been calling her little goddess. And she said, Hermes, we're buddies, we're pals, we're friends, whatever, but you cannot call me little goddess. And after she had thrown the typewriter at him and made a run for it, you hear him like, all the text is all weird and creepy. It's like little 
little goddess and you see her face. Nope, don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) But as she's running, suddenly she has this image of Ares whispering in her ear, telling her, why should you have to run? And I love the way Rachel draws that next couple of panels because she just kind of stops and looks down. And then you see her from behind and she's staring behind her and her eye is glowing red. And she is just like done. And she manages to send out this tendril of something, some growth, whatever, that just stops Kronos in his track and drags him to the ground. Yep, yep, Although yep. she doesn't, I should say this, she doesn't know it's Kronos this entire time. She thinks something no. weird is going on with Hermes. Yeah, all this... <laughs> I didn't give her the benefit of the doubt because I felt like it took her a really long time to realize that it wasn't Hermes. And she never quite did, even after the next episode, which we'll get to in a second, she had to be told what was going on. But then, I mean, why would she assume that it would be Kronos? There's no reason. Yeah, because, I mean, what she mentions in the next episode is this, Kronos is a gigantic deal. So she has no idea why he would be interested in her. Yeah. But she goes to town on him with the tentacles. Some of the commenters are saying that when she grabs him and she's flinging him up the walls, it's kind of like Thor with Loki with the puny god thing. And I'm, like, yeah, I'm getting those vibes too, definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately, Kronos is kind of a badass and he rips one of the tendrils in half and then he uses it to drag her towards him and she's like yelling you're hurting me and she's freaking out and she turns her head and there's a burst of light and there is zeus coming out of the sky with bolts of lightning just going to town on chronos and it is a beautiful picture oh full-on god mode of zeus and it was oh it was just great and so surprising did not expect of all the things that I thought might happen, because I had a feeling somebody might come to her rescue, I thought it might be Hades. That would have been great. But no, it was Zeus. And that's where we leave episode 199. So now we're going to jump directly into episode 200. So if you haven't done a fast pass for this, you might want to wait a little bit. So um, Zeus confronts Kronos, who we know is Kronos, and Kronos refers to him as the runt of the litter, which is an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I know he's the youngest one of all of them, but he was also directly responsible for saving Poseidon and Hades from, you know, Kronos, who had swallowed both of his earlier sons. So, but it doesn't really seem like Kronos is at all intimidated that much by him. Nope, nope. He also says that basically everybody has handed him a fertility goddess on a platter. And I don't, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's maybe because Hades had invited her into the underworld, I suppose. Maybe that would be why he was like handed to her. I don't know exactly how, I mean, Zeus... As he explains later, he had been trying to keep Persephone a secret. So I don't know why it is necessarily Zeus's fault that Kronos found out about Persephone. I think it's because Zeus kept everybody in the dark about the entire fertility goddess issue. And if he had told everybody what the hell was going on, they might have found a way to keep her further away from Kronos than what actually happened, because she had no reason to think that she was walking into danger by going to the underworld, because nobody knew she was a fertility goddess. Nope, nope. Even Hades didn't know. Nope. Technically, but, but we are leaping ahead a little bit. First, we have a big battle between Zeus and Kronos, and you see suspended kind of in this ether, you actually see Hermes, like the real Hermes, but his eyes are glazed. He's just sort of like hanging there, and Persephone says he looks like he's asleep, and Kronos sort of leaves, sort of taking the body of Hermes with him. And I think Persephone says, should we stop him from leaving? And Zeus says, I don't don't think we could, even if we tried. 
What surprised me the most about this episode was that Zeus goes up to Persephone and says, oh my gods, are you okay? And yeah. he sounds like he really cares. Yeah, he does. And also that I, I immediately assumed that he was going to be pissed at her for going into the underworld because she wasn't supposed to do that. I really thought he was going to do this whole, like, you've broken the rules and now you're going to be punished even further. No, he checks to make sure she's okay. And it never comes up in this entire episode. He never says you're here and you shouldn't have been here. What we get is we get the story of how he found out about fertility goddesses in the first place. So after raiding Hades's house for alcohol somewhere, because he knows he said, you know, because Persephone just like, what are you doing? I, he doesn't have anything here. And he said, I keep telling you where Hades is concerned, there's going to be booze. Yep. So he manages, he does manage to find some alcohol and he tells her the story that he was raised by nymphs and he thought they were his mothers and his powers started coming in when he was fairly young, but he never knew what any of that meant until he became a young man. And suddenly the nymphs noticed somebody and said, it's Rhea. It's the queen of the gods. She is going to want to talk to you. And Rhea is, I mean, she's just about dead. She's basically staggering towards him. Her skin is all blackened and cracked and everything. And, she sees him and he runs to her and she says something like, I don't know, you're perfect. And I'm so glad one of my sons lived to manhood. He's like, what do you mean one of your sons? And that's when she tells him that she's his mother and that she had stayed away from him because Kronos had swallowed all of his brothers and sisters, whatever. And she was hoping to keep him away from that. But now he is going to have to do something. He is going to have to defeat Kronos because if he doesn't, the whole world, universe, whatever, is going to be plunged into darkness. And she tells him the way to do that is he has to find a fertility goddess. Because if you find a fertility goddess, you can use her power. And she said, I let Kronos do that to me because I believed in him, but I was wrong. Yep. So it's it's confirmation of everything that we've been hearing up to this point about fertility goddesses, that a powerful god can use a fertility goddess to become even more powerful and overthrow the ruler. And she tells him, there is a fertility goddess, and her name is Medes. Do whatever you have to do, whatever it costs. And then she dies. And Zeus says that this next part of the story, which he kind of glosses over, he says everything that he did, it was to sort of save everybody, but it also benefited him. And he doesn't know where the line is, like how much was he doing to help other people and how much was he doing to get power for himself. And he also went in and just deliberately changed the stories about fertility goddesses so that nobody else would ever try to seek one out. Um, but it didn't work. And now Kronos knows that Persephone exists and he flat out tells her, you're a fertility goddess. I tried to keep people away from you. It didn't work. And I am so glad all this fertility goddess stuff is finally out in the open with at least a couple of people. So, yep. God, but I mean, it explains so much because we saw a flashback at one point of of Zeus eating Medes, like swallowing her whole. But you could see, I mean, he's like in full God mode and he's got that, you know, cackling, malevolent smile, but there's also a tear running out of his one of his eyes. Yep. So, but then when someone told him, I think it might have actually been Ares who told him about him eating Medes to take her powers. And Zeus is like, why does everybody think this is a big deal? She was annoying, so I ate her. He was trying not to let anybody know that that was what he was doing, was taking on the power yep. of fertility goddess. So... Because that, that bit didn't make much sense. I couldn't imagine why 
Zeus was telling that particular story and how he justified it to anybody, especially Hera. We haven't really heard Hera's side of that particular story, how she felt that her husband devoured her mother. So it also, I mean, now that all this is out the open, I'm hoping that Persephone, of course, will do the math and realize that's the main reason why Apollo was always going after her. And maybe other people will find this out because when Athena was yelling at Zeus about how this punishment doesn't make any sense and it's affecting everybody, she said, also, Apollo has been doing a lot of community service in Olympus. Uh, I, you need to watch your back. And so I just I want everybody to know exactly what Apollo has been doing and how Zeus is not going to give Persephone to him. End of story. Yeah. And... Persephone hears all this and she gets up and she starts looking for Hades. And Zeus is like, did you not hear what I told you? She said, you know what? You've kept me in the dark about this whole fertility God, you know, stuff. And I know that's a big problem for you and everything, but I haven't known about it for all this time. And I guess it can wait a little bit longer until I can find Hades because all the things like what Kronos is doing to Hermes is so horrific. What could he possibly be doing to Hades? And there's a vision of Hades as a child floating alone in the darkness. And it's just, oh, God, I hope that's not what happened. I know, because that's literally Hades's worst nightmare is being back as a child under Cronus's power. And that's where the episode ends. Oh, my God. And I just happened to glance through because if you're on the Webtoons app, and you can see the episodes that are free, and then you can see all the ones that are coming up that you could get for a fast pass if you want. Two episodes from now, there's one that actually has some music in it. Ooh. Oh, it'll be dramatic, whatever it is. And I'm hoping it means well, maybe Hades will be back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I've... until we get another couple episodes in a couple of weeks, according to this particular schedule, the only update that I have is that I finally finished watching Arcane. Good gracious, that final episode. That, oh, that ending of that final episode just i don't i don't know where they're going to go with that because they're obviously going to have to have a second season after that but it looks like they just it looks like they just slaughtered a bunch of characters at the end of that episode i mean i'm hoping not yeah i mean silco jinx's mentor is dead and she killed him and that was really i felt surprisingly sad about that mostly because it hit jinx so hard But then the last thing she does before she storms out of there is fires this gigantic rocket at the building that holds the ruling body of Piltover, and everybody was in there. And you just, oh, man. I hope there's like some kind of magical protection is all I can think of. I don't know. I mean, and there had been... You've got Echo's little world in the underground Mm -hmm. and everything, and one of the former senders who had been ousted because he wasn't towing the line with everybody else it looked like they were actually going to come to some kind of agreement. They were going to try and work things out. The governing body was going to make me maybe, maybe make things better for the people in the underworld. And now a rocket's been fired at them. And you're like, great. That's never mind. I mean, um, when, um, when Silco, because what happened was Jace, the Senator, mm-hmm. the newest yep. Senator, he had actually talked to Silco and basically said, I will give you, all of what you need to make the underworld like its own actual ruling body itself. You will have power at the table and everything. But I need the person who created all this death and destruction. I need you to give me Jinx. And if you give me her, you'll get everything you want. And you can see Silco is just like, oh, he's thinking about it. He's thinking about it, but he is ranting about that. He was just like, Jace didn't even try 
try to barter. He didn't try to negotiate. He was going to give him everything he wanted as long as he gave up Jinx, which is now the one thing that he doesn't want to do. Yep. But see, you see him and he's all tied up and it's just, it's all come out. Like Jinx finds out about all this and she's going full crazy. Of course, she had almost died and they did these medical treatments to her that probably made her even crazier. But when she finally kills him, you know, with his last breath, he tells her, I would have never given you to them. You're perfect. And then he dies. And I'm like, oh, if there was a possible way for him to mess her up any further than she already was, that was it. And the timing when she fired that missile, because Jace had gone to the ruling body and told them what he was proposing. And everyone was just screaming about this, about letting the Undercity become its own country, basically. And then you saw that they were voting and they were going to vote on whether to go with Jace's proposal. And enough people had voted yes, literally had voted yes, when the missile comes through the building and just and it's all beautiful. And the animation on this series is so friggin stunning. I just can't tell you. No, it's just and there's so many other storylines that I've completely lost track of. Of course, Jace's partner in the labs has gone into a very scary territory when it comes to the um, what do they call it? Hextech? The Hextech, yeah, because he had that weird floating thing that he was trying to get power from. And he's like, it's killing him. And his lab assistant, who is obviously in love with him, sees what's Mm -hmm. happening, but doesn't know exactly what he's trying to do. And she tries to save him and it obliterates her. It turns into ash. And Victor just sees that and there's nothing he can do. And he knows that it's all because of he was trying to save his life to keep from whatever it was he'd been suffering from as a child from killing him. And I don't, I don't think they even established that he's, you know, cured now. I think it just it transformed that Hextech thing he was working on. I don't think it did much to him. I mean, maybe turned his leg metallic so that he can walk a little bit better but i think he's still maybe dying i don't know he had gone to see his mentor and they kind of did a little flashback about that when he had first met the guy in this cave and the guy has this kind of like odd subterranean very cute big blizzard like creature and everything you know it's it's all smiling and happy it's a little bit almost a little bit like toothless from how to train your dragon a little bit and maybe possibly some pokemon monster just big eyes and and colorful yeah but the guy tells jace's partner whose name i cannot remember sorry victor victor thank you he tells victor that she's dying and she's sort of a mutation. She's an individual and he doesn't want her to die because he has to make sure that this line that he's created in her survives. And you see it like decades later when Victor goes to see him and you see the creature and I guess she's still alive, but she's just floating in this big tank kind of motionless. And I was like, Oh, do not like, I do not like any of I don't like that, but it's just one of those the ends justifying the means kind of thing. Just like if you can, you know, for science, for progress, for moving ahead, for learning things. And meanwhile, you have all of these casualties. Oh, God. Yeah, that was rough, but very beautiful. Everything was just the whole thing beginning to end. All the the details and, and just like doorways for crying out loud. You had the one senator who is so beautiful with the paint on her face. Oh, God, Her mother came to visit. And oh, my God, she's a piece of work. I did like the fact that she has a little boy toy who hangs around with her. I'm just like, oh, you do you. That's fine. (laughs) Obviously, the boy toy was having fun with it. But um, yeah, it's uh, a little bit into 
how she had her mother had exiled her because she wasn't tough enough, I guess. Well, and, she wasn't brutal enough. She wasn't yeah. ruthless enough to like slaughter unarmed prisoners in order to make a statement, which her mother definitely is. But yeah. her mother told her when she came to visit, and she's trying to get her to share some of this Hextech weaponry, which they're definitely going to be trying to do. Um, but she, and you know, she doesn't want to have anything to do with her mom. She said, I stopped being part of this family when you exiled me. And her mother tells her, I exiled you because you made me weak. And for some reason, the way they put that through, it was because her mother was acknowledging that her, her daughter had all the compassion that she couldn't afford to have as a ruler. Yep. Yep. It was an interesting relationship. It was very late in the series that she was introduced. And yet I didn't feel like it was shoehorned in. No. I felt like it was a sort of a necessary part of the story. I mean, we've said uh, several times that this whole show is basically a big commercial for the video game. But the storyline is very complex. I really enjoyed it. And they had the whole thing with Jace and Vi. And Vi working with Jace to use Hextech weaponry to try to take out Silco. And that big battle where Vi first uses the great big, you know, power punching gloves thing, which should look stupid, but actually looks awesome looks every time they did great. in a fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, it looks amazing. All of it. Just all of it. Well, only thing I was going to mention is I did watch another episode of Peaky Blinders. Have you watched I have. Yet? Yes, I've now watched two episodes. This is the one, yep. spoilers, that ends with, uh, it looks like his daughter Rose has tuberculosis, possibly. Whatever it is, yep. she's got a terrible fever and she's coughing up blood. Yep. Other things that have happened in the episode before then, we see Arthur, who is just falling apart. He's just on so much junk. And Tommy, to get him to get in line, he tells Arthur that he actually wrote to Linda. <laughs> Can't imagine Linda wanting to have anything to do with Arthur. But he, Tommy said he wrote to her and said, as a Christian woman, do you believe in forgiveness? And she wrote back and said that she does believe in forgiveness. And he told Arthur, if you get yourself cleaned up and stay cleaned up for two weeks, I will write her another letter because I know where she is. I just I I kind of want Linda to be away from all this because that just that whole thing was so messed up in the last season where Polly had to shoot her and then Arthur is like holding her and trying to comfort her and I'm just like oh my god will somebody please get him the fuck away from her she does not like oh god it's just uh, that's gonna be you know whatever happens there it's gonna be pretty awful I bet you she takes another I don't know. She tried to kill him one time, and it was only Paul that stopped her from doing that. So I could see her taking another shot. Huh, I could literally. see that. Yeah, yeah. But um, other things that happened in the episode, Tommy actually met with the Irish woman who arranged to have Paul and uh, Abarama Gold and the, his former army buddy killed. And he's still working with her. And she she doesn't trust him, but he convinces her that he needs her more than he needs vengeance. And he is actually going to get her a meeting with Gina's uncle, who is Nathan thinks he's based on a Kennedy who had an awful lot of anti-Semitic sentiments. And he also has a lot of power and a lot of money. And he could work with the Irish faction for more power, for more money. So it's all, of course, it's this all tangled, very complicated web. I don't understand why anybody trusts Tommy to not just destroy them after everything that's happened to his enemies, other than 
um, what's the big fascist who's he's like Bush's main antagonist in season six? Oh, is it like um, Mosley? Mosley, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, he's still working with him. I don't know. I don't know either. It's just <laughs> every time I see him, I'm just like he's so gross. Yeah, he was telling Lizzie that he's working with him so he could bring him down from the inside. I'm like, you were trying to do that all season six. Why are you still trying this? But meanwhile. Well, he actually goes to see Alfie, who is, um, ah, help me out. He was in Inception. Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy, yes. Tom Hardy? Let me just double check that. Okay. Yes, Tom Hardy. Thank you. I thought about that, and I was like, Tom? Thomas? There's no way to know. Because, of course, yeah, I keep thinking Tom Brady. I'm like, no, that's something completely different. No, totally different. I just, every time Alfie's character comes on the screen, he's just so fun to watch. I just feel like Tom Hardy is just having so much fun acting him. So apparently Alfie has gone maybe a little crazy. He always was a bit He's always been crazy. God, he's just gone a little bit less controlled, I think. Yeah. So his latest obsession is opera, which he says the sounds of opera remind him of the Italian soldiers that he killed with his bayonet in the war. So that's great. Um, but he he said a line at some point. He's like, I always thought that opera was just fat people fucking shouting. And then he just sort of goes on from there to talk about it. Um, and he he's so used to getting so much respect from everybody. And Tommy just doesn't give him any. Like there was a there was a rule that you don't smoke in front of Alfie anymore. And Tommy is just like, no, I'm going to smoke in front of you. And I'll tell you why. Because he says that Alfie's lost it. And he basically goads him into listening to his proposition, which he tells him he's got five tons of opium. And he's going to give it to Alfie and the Jews to sell for power and everything. And Alfie tells some long rambling story about an Irishman punching a statue. I'm not sure where it went. And he kind of sits there and he sighs and goes, how much is a ton? And then the scene goes to something else. You're like, he's going to do it. You know he's going to do it. Yeah, he's going to do it. But he's still working with Gina's uncle, who he'd been holding the threat of giving the opium to the, or selling the opium to the Jewish gangs. So I'm not sure. I mean, Gina's uncle, he met him in this you know beautiful cathedral. And Guy seems like he's got an awful lot of menace. And of course, he's very much... Um, have they actually mentioned Hitler yet in this? I don't know that they have. I feel like they've made oblique references, but I I also feel like they haven't actually said the name out loud. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There was, um, okay, who wrote The Devil in the White City, the history book? Shoot. I don't remember. I know who you're talking about. Uh, hang on. Wait. Uh, wait a minute. I got it. Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Now, he wrote In the Garden of Beasts. Have you read that one yet? No, I have not. That is a very interesting one as well, because a lot of that is around the American ambassador Dobbs, I think, that was stationed in Germany and tried with all his might and his main to get the American government to acknowledge the fact that Hitler was a problem and that the whole idea with exterminating the Jews was getting to be more and more of a reality. And because of bureaucracy, nobody listened to him. And I have Mm -hmm. to wonder if someone like Gina's uncle, who I think is based on a Kennedy, if that was one of the people that was being a stumbling block to trying to acknowledge the problem of Hitler. And it could be, but I would have to reread the book, which would not be a problem. I've only ever read, reread um, the devil in the white city. I haven't reread any of his other books and I really should because they're all, they're all really good. I think what was it? Thunderstruck was the other one. I think that's, 
What there was uh, was that the one about the wireless being yeah about a uh, Marconi inventing the wireless and about a um, a doctor murdering his wife and going on the run with his mistress who was mm-hmm. dressed as a boy. I mean, all of it. Yeah. He he tells some wonderful stories based in history and oh, it's yeah, pretty does. fascinating stuff. Yeah. So we finally come around to the end of the episode where Ruby, his daughter, had been doing better, but then she's doing much worse. Um, Lizzie keeps trying to call Tommy and she's not getting through to him. He goes into his office at one point and he's attacked, except he's not attacked. Early in the episode, he had actually had a seizure in the bathroom. And I think it was Ada who found him and asked him, has this happened before? And it apparently happened on the boat on the way back to England. So Tommy's having seizures. And I'm like, it's either something, I mean, that that awful when he got the crap beaten out of him in one of the earlier seasons. Oh, my God. Could be that. Could be something from the war. God only knows. Um, It could be the fact that he's smoking every once in a while. He'll cough or do something, and I'm just like, oh, God, I just, I'm hoping we're not going to have a lung cancer story because you know that's not going to end up well. So, I don't know, but he's having seizures now. Great. And he's hallucinating a Italian soldier attacking him down in the uh, the passageways that they had to dig by hand in the First World War. And then, you know, he manages to stab the guy to death, and I was so worried that it was going to be some poor flunky who had been in his Me office too. that he had just murdered him. But he comes to, and he is just lying face down on the carpet. Nobody there, obviously no attack. But he gets the phone call and finds out that Ruby is very sick and coughing up blood. And he runs home, and Lizzie tells him how bad it is. And he gets on the phone for the operator. And what he, the person that he eventually tells them they need to find is Esme, which is John's widow, who once John was murdered, she just took all of her children and all of the money and rings off of poor John's dead body. And she booked it because she was done with this family. So we knew we saw her in the trailers for the season. So we knew she was going to make an appearance, but Tommy seems to think that she has some method of keeping his daughter from dying. Oh man. Was it John or was it Jack? John. It's funny because I read a recap before we started this episode and they said Jack, so I'm going to go look it up. (laughs) I know I'm right. Damn it. I'm going to stand by this idea. I'm right. Damn it. John. (laughs) Telling you the recap I read. You were done wrong by that recap. It's called TheReviewGeek.com. Oh, no. Damn it. It even says John in the recap. <laughs> Sorry, reviewgeek.com is completely right, and Catherine's right. I am wrong again. Every time I am so certain, I'm like, well, I'm going to look it up. Oh, man, crap. Anyway, yeah, fine, John. Anyway, so, yes, uh, that's where we left the episode, is that he's calling for Esme. I'm curious to see what happens next. I don't know. Um, they do kind of seem to skirt the line sometimes between whether the gypsy stuff actually works or not, or whether everybody yeah. just things happen because they believe that it's right. So yeah. who the heck knows? But yeah. So it's only six episodes in this season, right? Mm, I think so. I think and there's so. been some yeah. discussion about the idea that there's going to be a Peaky Blinders movie and that there's possibly going to be, everyone's wondering if there's going to be another season, but I don't know. I just, I don't know how many bodies are going to be left at the end of this. I thought this was supposed to be the final season, which means everybody dies, but 
if they're going to be doing a movie. I don't know. I've been deliberately not looking up the historical events or any of the people because I don't want to know if there's a chance that I'll find out what's going to happen. Because they're, they're not they're not sticking with the history at all, I'm sure. But no, I'm sure there's but- just enough truth mixed in there to make things interesting that I don't want to risk, risk being spoiled. No, and that was what was so fun about watching the show The Tudors, which, my God, the body count on that show. And I remember Darcy and Leah were farther ahead of it than I was. And they started to say something like, no, 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 no don't spoil it. I haven't watched that. And they're like, it's history. And I said, I know, but I'm really bad at history. So I don't know what's going to happen. So it's, I think I think this works very well for us. I think so. Yes. I just I remember you telling me about the, um, the conversation on television without pity about the Rome series, and that yes. people were talking about no spoilers, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they said uh, something like it doesn't count like you're safe from spoilers if the events have already happened two months ago or 2,000 years ago. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Yes. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries or fan art galleries. When's North Carolina Comic Con? I do not know. I need to look that up because I might have a costume that I can wear this time. Oh, my goodness. I got a package from you and oh, we are going to have to show some pictures because Catherine has really outdone herself this time. So more photos to come on that. Um, all that and more at pixelatedgeek.com. So I think think next week we still won't have a Night Vale episode, right? Oh, God. I think you might be... Wait a minute. No, because oh, we've got the 10-year uh, episode. Oh, yes. my God, yes. <laughs> Which we didn't cover this week because this is our schedule and everything. So, yes, next week we will cover the Night Vale episode that is starting this recording. came out five days ago. Time this episode drops. It came out more than a week ago, but, you know, whatever. Um, one way or the other, we'll talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Hang on a second. I had a, a segue there for a second.
Shoot, where was the segue? Nope, it's entirely gone. So we'll have to figure out a different one. I hate that. (laughs) Zeus is not going to give Persephone to him. End of story. Yeah. Uh, That side note, that was also the segue I forgot to come up with the last Ah, time. So crap. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway.